water chestnuts. Water chestnuts. I can't stand them. Anybody else can't stand water chestnuts? Anybody else? I really might be the only one in the world that cannot tolerate water chestnuts. I know that they don't have any flavor, and in fact, they're like, they're like thing is that they take on the flavor of whatever they're in, right? I just so often would see them as an impediment to the enjoyment of my post-church Chinese meal growing up with my grandfather's church and my family. We were in Boardman, Ohio, and right across the street, there was House of China, and that was our go-to Sunday after church. And it didn't matter because, you know, at the time, I don't think my Chinese food palate had expanded to the degree that it has now. So I would almost always get the same thing. I would get this lo mein that always had water chestnuts. I don't know why I did it. But I've never been able to kick my dislike of water chestnuts. There doesn't really seem to be any reason why. Now, maybe there's something for you all, too, right? Is there that one food that doesn't necessarily make rational sense that you don't like, but somehow if it's presented to you, just can't seem to shake how gross it might be? And there could be all sorts of reasons to not like it. It can be the taste, it can be the texture, it can be the temperature, any of those kind of things. And after a while, it's just become who I am. I get teased about it at home. Lindsay will be like, why do you not like water chestnuts? That makes no sense right now. My family, but yet still, if there's a water chestnut, it's going to get pushed to the side of the plates or the styrofoam. And there are certain other foods, too, that we used to think were poison but aren't poison anymore. The best example for me are tomatoes. Right? For most of our human history, we were convinced that tomatoes were poison. But of course, now I don't know summer without tomatoes and a little bit of mayonnaise, a little bit of salt and pepper. Or garlic. I love garlic. My life would not be complete without a little bit of garlic. So it seems in our text, interestingly enough, Peter has a particular pickle of a person problem. Say that three times fast. The scene before us revolves around how we can think about unhealthy food. For the Hebrews, and certainly for some practicing Jews right now, there are some foods that were off limits because in part it helped to shape their identity. Certain things were off limits. And so if you saw yourself as a practicing Hebrew, a practicing Jew, you knew that this sets you apart from everybody else. It was wrapped up in your identity the same way, for better or for worse, that water chestnuts seem to be wrapped up in my identity. I won't eat them. But it seems like Peter had begun to have his identity change. After Jesus, Peter was not quite the person he used to be. And some of his thinking had to change because he had met Jesus. In Peter's vision, it's another way that he's beginning to understand a new identity, even in his food. What he had been thought 
what he had been told all of his life in terms of what he could eat and what he couldn't, God was inviting him to do something different. In this, you know, what feels like a sheet being rolled down, and if any of you are a Game of, fans, a Game of Thrones fans, I felt like what I saw when I imagined it was like a bunch of sigils <laughs> on, a piece of, on a piece of cloth. All these foods that were verboten were not allowed for, for him to eat. God was saying, go ahead. God was inviting Peter to eat what he had decided, what God had decided to make clean. And in our story, it moved from food to people, that even at one time there may have been people who seemed unsafe or unhealthy, the Gentiles in this example, and God was inviting Peter to have them be part of a new identity. Even perhaps sharing these unfamiliar foods with unfamiliar people in unfamiliar places at unfamiliar times. So it's not too far of a stretch, I imagine, to think about the problems of people in our lives, maybe the water chestnuts of our lives, or pick whatever thing that you just can't seem to stomach on any given meal. I think there are so many people in our world that we can imagine are like water chestnuts. We don't know why we don't like them. We don't see them as a part of who we are. Instead, we work to avoid them, pushing them to the edge of our lives' plates. And then there are others that we sort of see like tomatoes, right? We're convinced that they're poison. We will avoid them like our very lives depend on it. And it might be when a few folks might be willing to take a risk and step out, do we realize that they are not poison after all, but instead meaningful parts of our lives. And if a day like today can remind us of anything with all of our youth who have stepped up in this pulpit and have read and have studied and have learned is that God invites us to be risk-takers. Every single one of these youth here took a risk to invite each of you into worship. God invites us to be risk-takers, everyone. And it's not just in the comfortable spaces in a pulpit on a Sunday, but God invites us to be risk-takers, to meet those that we think might be poison or not, become a part of who we are. So who are those folks around us? I was thinking a lot of the stories I've heard as the youth. I've gotten to know them a little bit, and I've heard stories from parents, and I think, who are those folks around us? Who are the water chestnuts and the tomatoes in our lives? Well, it might be the kid being bullied in school, right? The kid who seems to carry a label with them. Something happened in kindergarten, and we still know that they're the person who did that. So they get picked on. It hadn't been that long that I'd been in high school and college to know that sometimes those are the people who feel like poison to our social lives. Maybe we should take the risk. 
Or it's the kid doing the bullying who for some reason seems so hurt and so upset and so willing to fight. There must be something else going on. Or it may be the person in the corner that no one really pays attention to because they kind of float through life in the back corner. And sadly, almost for me, embarrassingly, as adults, we still know these people. This didn't just stop in high school. I know people who are still being bullied in their 30s and 40s and 50s. And sadly, I still, people, still see people bullying others. Which if there's only one tragic message I feel like is today is like, I'm sad that it hasn't stopped. So what do we do? Well, maybe it's avoiding posting that one picture on Instagram that you know you think is funny but could embarrass somebody else. Or maybe that one post on Facebook, the one that likes to talk about other people as poison. The one that likes to invite thinking about the other people around us as something that is going to hurt us. And it might not always be the most popular thing or the most understood thing. And that seems to be clear when Peter got his own pushback from his own disciples saying, why are you eating with those people? Why do you think that's okay? But what I hope for in this church and hopefully any church that any of us are a part of is that the choice to go sit with the people who are proposed as poison will be honored and celebrated here, just the same way that we celebrate our youth when they're willing to take a risk like being up here and worshiping with each one of us. That the people who we think are on the outside of our lives are invited in. Because if there's anybody who's doing it right now, it's the folks in the first two rows today who are the best examples of people who are willing to take a risk to love somebody who all too often feels like a poison to our society. And for that, I'm deeply thankful. And so the question, I think, in the end, may be if we're willing to celebrate when someone makes a petrine decision. When somebody like Peter steps out, takes a risk, and meets somebody who seems just a little too far off the path. Because there, friends, is where I'm convinced that Jesus, too, will meet each and every single one of us. Thanks be to God.